like to draw your attention this morning to the book of Genesis, chapter number 42. There's just so many people visiting here, uh, friends, family, and uh, just great to see all of you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just a wonderful spirit of God in the house. This is all preparation for the Word of God. And then, of course, the demonstration of the Holy Ghost in personal and individual lives. And uh, I'm so excited about that. Genesis chapter 42. And we're going to read a couple verses of Scripture here. Verses 1 through 5 and then verse number 36. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. There was an incredible famine that was in all over the known world. And you have to understand something biblically about pestilence and famine is it's God's opportunity of moving people around. And so Jacob is telling his sons to go into Egypt to buy corn. Verse number three, and Joseph's 10 brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt, but Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. He was the baby. Benjamin was the little baby. And then verse number five, and the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. It reached into the land of Canaan. And now verse number 36. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. And ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and you will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. I want to preach to us for a few moments this morning about all these things are against me. Let's put our Bibles down, and one more time, let's lift our hands and lift our voices, and let's give the God of heaven great praise. Come on, lift your voice with us. By the authority of the name of Jesus, we give you great praise. Father, I believe that you have orchestrated for people to be here today to receive something wonderful and glorious and powerful and permanent in this house today. We won't fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And everybody said amen. Let's clap our hands one more time as you're seated in Jesus' name. seated. Just a little bit more monitor up here, Mr. Soundman. Thank you. God bless each and every one of you. Jacob makes this incredible statement. Having been the recipient of prophecy, having 
been the recipient of a one-on-one -on -one with God, a rich and valuable heritage and collection of spiritual occurrences in his background, and yet his present becomes so oppressive and so demanding of him emotionally that he loses all of the God part in the obscurity of it all, and he makes this statement that all these things are against me. Of course, just to fill in a few blanks at the outset of this today, Jacob is too old to do a lot, and so his sons are required to pick up the slack. The great famine is actually prophesied. We will get into that a little bit later, but it was prophesied that there would be a great famine, and it now has affected not just Egypt, where it was originally given, but it's now affected all over the known world. And they are hearing that there's corn in Egypt, and he sends the boys down into Egypt, and the man that is there, that we will discover here in a few moments, makes uh, a request to them. In their very first trip to Egypt, he says, I want this one to stay, and it was Simeon. Simeon is held hostage in uh, Egypt, and um, he makes a request that I want you to also bring Benjamin with you the next time. He accused him of being spies. Of course, this was a ruse, a brilliant ruse by their older brother Joseph that is in the disguise, his face that was now at one time fresh and, and blessed with uh, the liberation of youth has now become swarthy and parched and wrinkled with age. And they didn't recognize that it was their older brother Joseph. And Joseph now is employing this incredible plan. And he says, I want you to bring Benjamin that was his little brother. You see, Joseph and Benjamin had the same mother. They were the only ones that did have their mother, uh, Rachel. And he said, I want you to bring back with you Benjamin. And Benjamin was the baby. And he was favored to a certain degree of his father, Jacob. And when the boys came back and said, you know what? They're willing to sell us corn and they're willing to supply our need and our want. But they're making requests of us and they're asking uh, that we bring back Benjamin. Simeon is there and now they want Benjamin and this breaks Jacob. Jacob is now emotionally becomes broken by the weight and the gravity of it all. And he says Joseph is not because he believed and has believed for years that his son Joseph was rent by a wild animal and was killed when the boys gave him a garment that was actually dipped in blood. And they said this, see, see, Father, that wild animals have gotten our brother Joseph. And so they have um, all these years, Jacob has believed that Joseph is in fact dead, rent by wild animals. Simeon is now kept in the hold in his mind and an Egyptian jail when really uh, Simeon was being well taken care of by his older brother. And uh, he had enough to eat, enough to drink. He had his, probably a nice place to sleep. His brother was taking good care of him. 
And now the request for Benjamin, the baby, the prize of his father Jacob. And he says in his distress, he says that Joseph is not. Simeon is kept in the hold. And now they want Benjamin. And now the great Jacob, that was at one time the supplanter, but his name really will be known throughout the ages uh, in a short time as Israel, is just now at the breaking point. And he says, all these things are against me. He's at a place of hopelessness. He's at a breaking point. We are seeing this very same scenario of events taking place in many lives today. You have to understand that true clinical depression requires more than a person having an ache or a pain. But by classification and quantification, it requires both emotional, social, and personal need. And when all of these three things begin to cave in on a person, there is the environment, the social, and the personal that it leads a person to depression. They tell us in our day and hour today that depression is the most rapid growing social detriment to our society. It is growing by leaps and bounds. In fact, one in four women um, are considered to be suffering from clinical depression, and one in eight men are suffering from depression. First it was anorexia, then it was bulimia, and now it is clinical depression that they are now socially engineered and socially transmitted diseases. They're not diseases like AIDS and Ebola, but they are diseases of condition in where people feel hopeless, people feel broken, and people become rendered by depression. But I want to tell you that there is still a God, and there... All these things are against me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Recently, we have all noticed that there is a rash of celebrity suicides. It seems like an uh, sociologist that study trends understand that because of the deprivation of society and where humanity is, in their, in their mental health, and then their psychological outlook and inlook, that there are certain trends that when it begins to catch hold in a culture, that they will begin to magnify and they will begin to increase. First, it was school shootings and people running around shooting other people and shooting themselves. And now it's people that have money and influence people of fame, people of recognition are now realizing that I can't take it anymore and they are taking their own lives. I am telling you in the 21st century that there is a God that can still heal and still deliver and still make a way. I don't know who you are and where you're from, but you've walked into an arena where there is one God that can still set you a liberate and still deliver. 
Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. take their own lives, and people recognizing that there is no hope, there is nothing, this world has let them down, when they have given all to pursue what they thought would fill those empty places, some addiction, there's people under the sound of my voice, you are sexually addicted, you are emotionally addicted, you're addicted to some substance, trying to fill the hurt and the brokenness, because all these things are against you. God can fill you to overflowing. You don't need to go back to your addiction. You don't need to go back to your, oh my God, I feel it on me. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. All these things might be against you, but God is for me. Even the Bible lets us know that in the end time, there is going to be a degree of hopelessness and brokenness in the human race in which there is nowhere to turn. The book of Isaiah chapter 60 prophesies when it says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come. Church of the living God. We cannot compromise. We cannot sell out because our very hour, our divine appointment to be a city on a hill in a world that is thinking maybe suicide is the answer and maybe an addiction can fill the need. No, no. There is a light in this world that can cast out the darkness, that can blast into the darkness. Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. This is a description of not physical darkness. I know that there will be a time when the sun is darkened and the moon will not reflect its light. But the Bible is talking about something far beyond the physical mechanics of the planets and the universe. But it's talking about the spiritual condition of this world. When it says the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But God is going to remedy that. And he said, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord. God is not going to let humanity be engulfed with darkness. God is going to send a man. God is going to send a church. God is going to. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. All these things are against me. I think we ought to lift our hands and praise God with them. I've never met that woman in my life, but she is recognizing that the light, she said, I'm physically blind, but she can feel something. She can sense something. 
to the glory. Devil, you might have tried to make me depressed, to send me to addictions that defile my mind and defile my body and defile my spirit. But God says, I'm coming out. I'm going to set you free. Somebody run. Somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. Arise and shine. Come on, Cornerstone, rise and shine. The world is in darkness today. I don't believe people are smoking dope. Smoking dope was fine when I was 14 and 15. But after a while, you're doing it because you don't know what else to do. You don't even like the way it makes you smell. You don't even like what it does to you. But now you've been trained because all Satan does is come in and remind you of some things. Make you feel horrible about yourself. Make you feel like everybody's against you. Make you feel like your wife's against you. Your husband's against you. Everybody's against you. Trying to drive you to a chemical or some compulsion. But I'm here to tell you, all these things are against you, but God is for you. Hallelujah. Gross darkness shall cover the people. That is a biblical illustration of the deprivation of the human soul. Because the single greatest manifestation of depression is hopelessness. There is nothing that is more opposite of the goodness of God and the greatness of this message than hopelessness. Where people said there is no hope, I can't get out of this, and the devil moves in and says, you know what, maybe we ought to jump off a bridge. Maybe we ought to grab a rope. Honey, don't do it. God is in control. God can set you. You're not listening to some cream puff that was raised on a pew. You're listening to somebody that tried suicide, that tried drugs, that tried alcoholism, but God was for me. Hallelujah. The Bible tells me in the book of Proverbs 13 and 12, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Human beings were never designed by God to live apart from that rare and powerful commodity called hope. The Bible says that every man was given a measure of faith. And that becomes that internal Something that's in every human being that can respond to the pulsation and the beacon of God's presence in the earth so that God can begin to reel you in and bring you out. 
When hope is deferred, it maketh the soul, the heart, the mind become sick. Because humanity was never designed to be on psychotropic drugs. I rebuke a spirit of psychiatry. I rebuke the counsel of psychologists. Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor and the prince of peace. Sir, it's not a drug you're looking for. It's a prayer meeting in the Holy Ghost. It's not a pill you need. It is deliverance in the presence of God. It's not a bar stool you need. It is a praying through in the power of the Spirit. But when hopelessness begins to wrap its tentacles around a human being, they begin to think that there are no real ways out of this life. They begin to look at life as though I don't care what's on the other side. I don't care if there is a heaven and I don't care if there is a hell. I got to end it all. Honey, you've tried everything. You've tried your drugs. You've tried your LSD. You've tried alcoholism. Why don't you try Jesus? Not the Roman Catholic version, the apostolic version. Instead of trying Rome, why don't we try Jerusalem in an upper room? Let's just clap our hands and give him praise. I feel God. God is doing something. God is doing something. There's men here today that are battling depression. I'm telling you, I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. It's time for the joy of the Lord to set you utterly free. I rebuke depression. I rebuke suppression. I rebuke oppression. I rebuke repression. Once you get one taste of the joy of the Lord, you'll never go back again or you'll fight with everything in you. Sometimes people that come back to truth need a little bit different path to people that are first timers. When you're coming back to truth, God is going to expect you to operate on principle, not feeling. When you first come to God, to operate on feeling is totally permissible. And, and, and a lot of the feeling until your eyes are wide open to revelation and understanding will be, you'll be, uh, your eyes will be gradually coming up, but it's all feeling. I feel God. I feel good. I feel like this is in the Holy Ghost. But when you come back to God, you have to be motivated by the Word of God and say, I'm doing this because it's right. I'm doing it because it's in the book. I'm doing it because it's in print. I do it because it's in the Bible. I do it because it's right. And feeling will follow. Clap your hands and give God the praise. All these things. All these things. All these things. I was talking to. Now. Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
The reason why you got movie stars hanging themselves. The reason why you got Robin Williams, who was a multimillionaire, hanging himself. The reason why you had Chester Bennington, one of the greatest heavy metal singers of all time, Linkin Park, just hanging himself. It goes on, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. Because they get boxed into the thinking. When you are depressed, the walls get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. Until now, all the devil does is remind you from morning until evening. And the walls get tighter. And the only way out is to do a drug. The only way out is sexual addiction, pornography. The only way out is to walk out on commitment and to live a double life. The apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15, Could you bring that up, Brother Clark, please? In this life, if in this life, that's where people get drawn in, is they think that in this life, I'm never going to get that car I wanted. I'm never going to I'm never going to marry the person I really wanted. I'm never going to get the house I want. I'm never going to get the job I wanted. I'm never going to get the influence. I'm never going to be somebody even though I mark my body, I pierce my body. I use my body as a billboard to fit in with anybody. Paul said, "If in this life that's where your hope is, we would be of all men most miserable." In that there is no heaven, there is no God, there are no pearly gates, there are no streets of gold, there is no new Jerusalem. But honey, I read the back of the book, and if this is real, what I've got right now, I'm telling you, there is a new Jerusalem that's going to come down. And you and I, and all those spirits in 1 Corinthians 6, you're going to take vengeance on the spirits that tormented you, on the spirits that tried to get you to backslide. You're going to get to have vengeance on them and send them to a devil's hell. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Deliverance from the spirit of depression is exactly what the Holy Ghost is going to do in this building today. Let's lift our hands all over this building and say, God, whatever you want for me, whatever you see in me, whatever, 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 I want to be different. I want to be changed. I want to feel new again. I want to feel clean again. You that are visiting with us, probably saying this is a little bit different. You have to understand, we're not dealing with the carnal aspect of man. We're not dealing with the intellectual aspect of man with some Bible study and some some critique and some exegesis. What we are here to do is watch the emancipation and the absolute liberation of the human race through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit. talking to a home missionary here recently that said it's hard it's hard it's hard I'm not a depressed person by nature 
I'm going to tell you what, I have felt that icy cold grip try to greet me the minute my eyes open up in the wee hours of the morning and convince me that this is going wrong. And these people are going wrong. And this situation is out of control. And that situation is out of control. And this situation is out of control. And he's trying to bring me to the place where I say, all these things. This is wrong. And this one is backslidden. This one. And, and that's not going right. And this is going on. But you've got to understand when I get to that place, and I've been there many times, and I'll visit it again. I'm not looking for a medicine cabinet. I hit the floor and call on the name. I'm here to glorify the name. I'm here to magnify the name. I'm here. There's only one name under heaven given among men. Call on the name. Cry out the name. Cry out the name. All these things are against me, but God is for me. Pastor, you don't understand. The doctor said this, and this is going on, and my children are doing this, and this is going on, and that's going on. You're this close to letting the icy grip of depression begin to distort your faith, your outlook, your inlook, your mental health. What you do is you don't stay away from church. You say, I know right where to go. He is my help. He is my strength. When I call, he answers. In this 21st century, you gotta learn to call on the name of Jesus at the first sign of trouble. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Somebody glorify him right now. I don't need to spend money. I don't need alcohol. I don't need drugs. I don't need an affair. I don't need something on the side. I need Jesus. Jacob! I find it interesting that God is not using his changed name here. Because God wants to show the rawness of humanity where we're all living. I know you're well-dressed. You probably smell good. You look good. But all of us, get to the place where we can get easily overloaded. And what makes you a great Christian is not the fact that you can lift your hands. What makes you a great Christian is you can have all this weight on your back and say, God is for me. I know the doctor said this, but God is a healer. I know the psychiatrist said this, but God is a wonderful counselor. I know the, I know the devil said this. I know the devil did that. I know the devil did that. But God. Yeah. 
Jacob. What Jacob did not understand. All these things are against me. But all these things ain't all the things. He thinks that Joseph died years ago under the rending of a wild animal. He thinks that Simeon is in stocks and bonds in an Egyptian jail cell. He thinks he's going to take his little Benoit, his little Benoit, his Benjamin, and put him in chains and make him a chamberlain. the one that tasted all the food for the king lest if it was poisoned he'd be the first guy to go nobody wanted to be that cupbearer but all these things ain't all the things now I'm going to say that again that sounds so good and it feels so good way down here I'm going to say that one more time can I say it one more time all these things Ain't all the things. He just didn't know. He just didn't know. Come on, somebody praise him. He just, you just don't know. Come on, Job. God's saying you can do it. God's going to give you double for your trouble. These things ain't all the thing. Jacob is at the precipice of a prophecy that took many, many years and several generations to put in place by the Almighty God. In Genesis chapter number 15, verses 13 through 14, God, speaking to Abraham, says this. Brother Clark's going to help me. Brother Clark. Thank you, Brother Clark. God is speaking to Abraham. Thank you, Brother Clark. I know it's a little slippery back there. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall... Be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. That's talking about the nation of Israel in Egypt. They're not in Egypt yet. Jacob's right on the precipice. He's on the borderline between Canaan and Egypt. And shall serve them. They served him for 430 years and built cities and monstrous architectural edifices. And they shall afflict them for 400 years. This is future tense in Genesis 15 to Abraham. Don't go to sleep on me just yet. Verse 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, speaking about Egypt. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. God allowed the nation of Israel to spoil the Egyptians before they came out. This was told to Abraham. 
Jacob is saying, all these things are against me. And God's saying, yeah, that's just how I designed it. Come on, Job. God's banking on you. Well, all these things are against me. Yeah, but if you hang in there with the right spirit, you're going to get double for your trouble. You're going to get your kids back. You're going to get cattle back. You're going to get houses back. You're going to get land back. You're going to get your health back. You're going to get everything back. You may be seated. Joseph receives a dream and a prophecy from God about his purpose that his brethren would make obeisance to him and bow to him. Look at Genesis 42, 6 and 9. This is after Joseph is already exalted to the second man in position in Egypt. Genesis 42 and 6. And Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold all the people the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed. Everybody said bowed. 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 He got that prophecy before he even started. See, Jacob is having a panic attack. And God is saying, I'm fulfilling four different prophecies right where you're at. Because all those things that are against you are not all the things. Americans are so, are so manipulated to believe that how I feel is how I'm doing. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible said you can be in a Philippian jail and rejoice forevermore. The Bible says that the, that the enemy comes in like a, like, a, like a flood, but the Lord raises a standard against them. Americans, are so, we are so creature comfort controlled that the, the tail has wagged the dog. And most denominational churches have now designed their churches so that people that are coming there, they feel comfortable, they feel like they're getting what they need, and they feel like they'll come back. When you come to an apostolic church, we don't operate on that wavelength. We're not just interested on making you feel comfortable. We want to cast the devil out and put your name on the roll in heaven. I'm not interested in winning friends. I'm interested in being a man of God and watching you get set free by the power and the glory of the almighty God. Oh, somebody lift your voice and give him praise. All these things are against me. But brother Kyle, it's not all the things. Joseph got a prophecy that his brethren would make obeisance to him. And once they came to him because he was hungry, they bowed. Go to verse number 9 so the people can see this, please. And Joseph remembered the dream. He was in jail for 20 years. He never forgot it. He was in a hole, sold to traders and Egyptian commerce. Never forgot the dream. And after his brethren made obeisance, the word that God gave him before he even began, and Joseph remembered the dreams. 
Jacob himself. In Genesis chapter 46, verse number 1, said this. Verses 1 through 4, and Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. Verse 2, and God spake unto Israel in the visions of night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here am I. Verse 3, and he said, I am the God of thy father. Fear not, fear not, fear not to go down into Egypt for I will make of thee a great nation. God was answering to the prophecy that he gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. And then God gave, a, a, God gave a, a rabbit trail of it unto Joseph. And now God's given another rabbit trail of it to Jacob. And God did not leave out Pharaoh. In fact, God even used the butler and the baker. Because Joseph was in prison for 20 years. And the butler had a dream. And Joseph interpreted it. And the baker had a dream. And Joseph interpreted it. And when Pharaoh had a dream where he was troubled, he had it two nights in a row. He was greatly troubled. He didn't have an answer. He brought the astrologers. He went to the, he went to the religious world. Nobody had an answer for him. He was so angry he was going to rebuke everybody. And finally the butler came up to him and said, Hey, there was a guy in jail that when we had a dream, he was a, he was a gifted young man. And he interpreted our dream. And the Pharaoh said, Get him up here. And Joseph stood before Pharaoh and said, what was your dream? And the interpretation of the dream was this. You're going to have seven years of plenty, and you're going to have seven years of barrenness. And so what we're going to do in the seven years is that we are going to make a stockpile of all the corn. That when, that when, that when the starvation comes, and, and when it comes, we're still going to have something in reserve. God, God was providing for Pharaoh, but God was also looking down in time. And he said, I remember what I told Abraham, and I remember what I told Joseph, and I know what I'm fixing to tell Jacob. And now I'm giving it to Pharaoh. And when he interpreted the dream, he said, you know what? No one's been able to do this. You are now second in charge. You are the guy that's going to have the keys of the corn crib. You're going you're gonna to put everything together. Yeah, here's a wife. Here's everything. Here's a palace. Here's everything. And so Joseph went to stockpiling during seven years of plenty. And when the famine hit, Jacob said, a lot of food, boys. Somebody needs to go down to Egypt. And when they got down to Egypt, their older brother was waiting on them. And he said, I'll keep Simeon as a hostage. Go back and bring Benjamin. And when he went back to Jacob, he said, they got Simeon in the hold. and Now they want Benoi. They want Benjamin. He said, all these things. But all those problems you think you got, it's not the whole story. God's fulfilling a plan in your life. Clap your hands and give him praise. See, ain't you, all your things ain't all the thing. All your little picture ain't the whole picture. Your little problem is not the answer. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. God is working something out where he's going to get the glory, and you're going to be blessed, and your children will be blessed. See, one of the things that is becoming very difficult to communicate to people that have been completely shaped by social media, cell phones, high-speed internet. Everything is basically how I can design it, how I want to feel. 
You have to understand that you're bought with the price. God can do anything he wants to with you if you're genuinely his. You see, this message is very important today. If you're actually going to be able to understand that all things work together for good to, to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Because if you're just basing your life on how you feel and how you're perceived and how many friends you got, how many friends I ain't got. See, the problem with social media is, is you're going to start thinking how well you're liked by how many people hit your, hit your like button. See, I don't need no like button because I know they ain't never going to push it. I'm just having fun. But see, my, 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 my self-esteem does not come from the congregation. My self-esteem comes from the Holy Ghost. Your self-esteem does not come from the job. Your self-esteem comes from the Word of God. Your identity does not come from the world. It doesn't matter if you're wearing the fashion. It doesn't matter if you're taking your clothes off. It matters that the Word of God says, these are my children. These are the blood bought. These are the blood washed. Clap your hands and give him praise. All these things are against me. Yeah, but God is for me, and God is with me, and God is in me. Stand to your feet and clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, somebody. You really need to praise him right now. Just praise him because it's the right thing. Praise it. Get those shackles off you. Get that attitude off you. Get that spirit off you. Get those nightmares off you. Get that insomnia off you. In Jesus' name. Everybody in this building, let's lift our hands and give him praise. I'm done preaching. It's deliverance time. It's Holy Ghost time. Come on, it's healing time. It's liberation time. Come on, some of you that go through a cycle, and every time the devil wants to put you down, he knows what buttons to push. It's time to get free. It's time to get free. It's time to get free. Here's one right here that wants to get free. Altars open. Come, 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 come. Come on, Cornerstone, bring somebody. God sent me here to preach to you that He's going to break those chains. He's going to break those shackles. He's going to break those lies. He's going to break those habits. He's going to break those compulsions. He's going to break those addictions that are rooted in depression. Come on, church, bring somebody. We've got an altar full, but bring somebody. 